try that one more time. Just in case you've all been wondering where I'm at, I went to Holy Church. Um, no. Ah, much better. Now, get ready for an uncivilized discussion about faith. Welcome Welcome to to the the Barbarian Barbarian Prophets. Yeah, welcome back to the Barbarian Nation. We have been missing you all, and I'm hoping you've all been missing me. Well, as you all know, I've been up in Alaska lately, and uh, the weather was like perfect, man. I mean, it, it was like 62 degrees, no wind. I was out fishing. The church had me working. We were doing cool things, and we'll cover that in another podcast. But then I had to come home, and I traveled from the Rocky Mountains way down into Oklahoma, where the ground is a little little bit flatter and i can't quite see texas from here but devon energy's building over there if we get up on top of there i'm pretty sure we can see houston so on the other end of things i have been at a conference where i have been surrounded by an incredible bunch of people that uh just will rock your socks with speaking things into your life and praying over you and talking to you and i know that all my brothers and sisters in the very charismatic end of things We go to conferences like that. In fact, I know that not too long before you hear this one, there was a conference that we had up in La Barge with the Kingdom Gathering with Tony and Gwinnett Potera, and I just want to say, God bless them. I wish I was there. I'm always there, but this time I had to be down here, and I was able to see a new bishop or our bishop restore. Uh, continue in his position, not restored. He was he wasn't ever restored, uh, but he came back in. But I uh, I have been going out to Ambridge, as all of you know, here over the last couple of years, getting all educated up because you know when you have all the degrees a person could ever imagine they needed, they think you need more education. Which okay, so we're doing that thing. So while I was out there, I met this incredible young man that I wanted to talk to and get on the air with me one day. His name is Ethan, and I'm going to let him just kind of introduce himself and tell us where he's from. And uh, let's just start with that. All right. I am Ethan. Uh, I'm from Ohio, mid-Ohio, Mansfield. Uh, What's your last name, Ethan? You got a last name? I, I do. Sometimes people call me Zimmerman. Sometimes my grandfather will say Zimbleman. To, uh, so which is it? It's Zimmerman. Zimmerman, yeah. and that's a German name. It is. It means, it's like super German. It's like it's the German equivalent of Smith. It means carpenter or room man. Room man. Oh yeah. Okay. So I I, uh, I fill the room. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally with my personality. Yeah, nothing yeah, else. I just totally fill the room with my personality. All right. So uh, you know, I had some Zimmermans from where I was from. That's why I know a little bit about that name. Oh yeah. Yeah, we're so, everywhere. I know you guys are like Canadian geese. Where's it's the Canadian plague. geese? When you look up the word Canadian geese, where is it located? It strictly says in the book, could be in your house right now. You don't know. They're everywhere. <laughs> so Zimmerman, Canadian geese, similar type thing. So anyway, brother, so tell me a little bit about what you're doing. You're living in Ambridge right now. Yes. Okay. Based, although my legal address is in Ohio. Okay. Yeah. Ohio. 
which I just asked him the question. You're all thinking. I can I can see all your little brains thinking it, and you're going to pull it up on your computer as soon as I say it. Are you ready? Ohio, the name Ohio, the letters Ohio are in the shape of a tractor. I asked him, what the heck is with that? And he said? Because we got corn fields, we got the bean fields, you got all the things you would want to do tractors with, haul rocks, haul dirt, haul farming equipment. I mean, and the whole north half of Ohio is just one giant cornfield. Is John Deere made there? No. I think that's in Moline, Illinois. So uh, that's in Illinois. So yeah. what what famous tractor comes from Ohio? I don't think there is one. There might be one. I just don't know what it is. So they named the state Ohio in the shape of a tractor. Nobody has thought to go build a tractor there and call it the Ohio tractor. I guess not, although I could do that. I just made you billions of dollars. Don't forget to pay your tithing. Okay. Oh, yeah. So you're living in Ambridge, Pennsylvania, which is just outside of Steeltown. And how long you been there? Um, what day of the week? Day of the month is it? Hold on. Uh, on we're filming this on the eleventh. Yeah. Uh, on the fifteenth, it will be one year exactly. One year. Okay. So now, give me the rest of your story. So, how did you end up out there? So I um, grew up in a Christian household. My grandfather is a Lutheran pastor. Always gone to church, always enjoyed it. Um, and when I was thinking about where I want to go to college, I was thinking uh, I'm going to go for to Ohio Northern University, which I did, and where I graduated from. Um, but I went originally for their pre-law criminal justice, like three years of criminal justice, three years of law school. Your senior year of college would be your first year of law school. Okay. So cut a year out. I was going to go be a lawyer, then go into politics, and my very very probably unrealistic goals to run for president in 2036 dude did your mom tell you when you was a kid you could grow up and be the president no okay just double check no i don't know where i got that idea from but i did um cartoons who knows yeah so go on so i signed up for ohio northern fall of 2017 of my senior year of high school and then in January, uh, the good Lord decided he had other plans for me, which looking back on my life, there's a whole lot of things that point me in the direction of me going into ministry. But in January of 18, 2018, I get not an audible voice, but just a feeling that like of the words popping into my head of I need to preach okay. over and over and over again. And I was like, oh, if I'm going to be a lawyer, I can preach the gospel to my clients, which if you're a lawyer and if your calling and vocation is to be a lawyer, you totally can do that. Absolutely. But that wasn't for me. Right. And so I deny the call for nine months. I then go to move in for band camp, have a great time. I actually meet people that I didn't have a whole lot of friends in high school. And so I meet a whole bunch of people that are actually like nice and like enjoy being around me because I'm me. And it was a great time, great positive experience in band camp. Um, first week of classes comes along. I go to a worship night. Um, they call it Fusion. I think it's run by Crew. Okay. Um, and the head of IT comes to speak on the, the sermon, and he oh. speaks on vocation. Okay, so uh, you you got to remember you're not talking to a pack of Lutherans out there. What is Crew? Crew, I actually don't know what it stands for, and I don't think it's a Lutheran organization. Okay, so the next thing, IT. IT information technology. Okay, moving on. For yeah, so it's so like they this, came in. Yeah, it's guy a, preaches on vocation. Yes, which means the calling of your life. Calling of your life. Um, what you're supposed to be doing, and I can tell you, it was 
uh, you can fact check me on the calendar for 2018, but I think it was September 9th. It was a Thursday when the worship night happened. Um, and I was in the middle of a sermon at about 9.35, give or take a couple minutes, um, p.m. And I felt the Holy Spirit come on me. And I was like, I started crying. Um, and ever since that, every every time I feel like I want to sob, like uncontrollably, and I, I feel good about it, I know the Holy Spirit's with me. Amen. Um, Wait a minute. That sounds very charismatic. That can be Lutheran. <laughs> Lutherans. I just talked to a Lutheran today and told me he prays in tongues on occasion. Oh, spicy. Yeah, he's he's a, he's one of those zesty Lutherans. <laughs> so I and I as him and I talked, I was like, Can you do it on your own? He says, I do not do it on my own, but sometimes the Lord's upon me and things come out of me I don't quite understand, but I know that they are uh very edifying to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, okay, cool. So uh let me ask you this. Have you ever had God audibly speak to you? That I, and I'm not talking about thunder and boom from heaven and rocks the room and everybody's like it sounded like thunder. I'm talking about you hear Him speak to you inside of you. So this is this is fun because I I think the overall answer is no. But there was a a point in my life, a month after I got to college, um. I was thinking, I was like, oh man, I want to I get myself a girlfriend, right? And I was thinking about all the la- ladies from band, and I was going through the down the ones, which I thought, which ones I could be brave enough to ask out right. to go to dinner. Right. There was a sweet Italian restaurant that closed and then oh, reopened recently. I thought you were going to say a sweet Italian chick, and I just, I was like, hey, what's up? <laughs> How you doing? A little spaghetti action? What happened? I think we did both get spaghetti. Okay, we that's so she was an Italian chick too? No, no okay, she was just not. double checking, man. Um, but I, I was going through thinking of, you know, the different ones I could ask out, and it felt like an audible voice in my head of what about her? And this girl came up um, and I was like, Oh, what about her? And then lo and behold, after a month of talking to her and hanging out with her and her friends, we go out for a date to the Italian restaurant Mm -hmm. and then we end up dating. And I was like, Oh wow, maybe God did tell me to what about her. Mm -hmm. And then we broke up after a month and a half and I was like, Oh, maybe not. Right. And then we got together again and I was like, oh, maybe it was. And then we broke up again. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, maybe it wasn't. And then guess what? We got together again for the third time because I can't learn a lesson. And then right. we broke up again. Uh, did you take her home at Thanksgiving and say, Mom, here's the repeated problem I'm having in my life or what? Actually, I, I don't know if she met my mother the second time, but she – no, she didn't. Oh, maybe she did. But uh-huh. she definitely the third time. Definitely met your mom and on my, the third try and mom, say, Mom, you want to see what happens when I don't wash my laundry for three weeks in a row? This is what it looks like. I keep dragging it around, and it keeps stinking up my life. My mom was definitely against me dating her. I bet she was. And she was right. Because I'm, I'm you know, that's just the way, that is called life. And, every, you know, the funny thing is, we have people all the time say, the Lord told me that she is going to be my wife or he's going to be my husband. And I had a guy one night, this is a very prophetic guy, okay, man. He prophesied great things over people and stuff to that effect. Handsome guy, handsome guy, military guy, handsome young man. I mean, probably late 20s. Um, like I said, you know, military, tele trained every day. I mean, he was he was fantastic guy. And after church, I had no less 
Then five women tell me, the Lord told me that is my husband. <laughs> I said, well, the, the Lord must have Tourette's tonight because he is just like telling everybody this, this dude needs to be married. And the thing was, the guy said, I'm, I'm not getting married or dating anyone until I, I leave the um, military. Because he was preparing to be deployed. He did not want to leave anybody at home and deal with all that. He was there as a chaplain for the, for the army and he just wasn't coming home and he didn't know how it was going to go. He said, uh, when the Lord tells me it's time, then I'll start dating. And I told him, I said, well, apparently the Lord is telling every woman in town, you're the one. He goes, well, I am not. <laughs> so that, that way I say that is because sometimes we do think, uh, the voice is God, and it isn't. But here's the other thing, Ethan. There is times that he does speak to us. Would mm-hmm. you agree? 100%. Now, one of the things that he usually does back up in his speech and, and when he's talking to you is he'll back it up with his word. Absolutely. And so when he called you, I want to take you down this road, he called you to preach. You said he was on you all the time for nine months, and he's putting the Great Commission in front of you. But that that does not, I mean, there's a lot of people that say, man, they come to me and they're like, Bert, I'm, I'm supposed to be a preacher. And I'm like, no, no, you're not. Nobody is. No, we're all supposed to preach the word of God. We mm-hmm. are. Now, there's a big difference between professing that and being a pastor. But you're actually called to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are called to be a pastor. I've seen it in your life since the first time I laid eyes on you is that God has a plan for your life. So, oh, yeah. so let's hear about this plan. It's, um, it's, I love living in the mystery of it because I, gen- I know he's called me to be a pastor. He's called me to, to, to preach. And I don't entirely, like, I know that's going to take me to seminary where I'm at right now. Right. And beyond that, I have no idea where he's going to take me for um, my vicarage, which um, is essentially an internship after I graduate for a year before I'm ordained. Um, I don't know where that's going to take me, mm-hmm. and I don't know where it's going to take me for when I'm ordained, when a church wants me to be their pastor, and I love it. Right. I love sitting in that and just, like, thinking about all the exciting possibilities because I've recently um, I've traveled the country a lot more, and I'm just like, oh, this would be a cool place to live. This would be a cool place to live. I'd love to do ministry with these people. I met at this conference that we're at. I've met pastors from all over this country that I was like, I want to learn under you. I want to study under you. Mm-hmm. I want to be in your neighborhood. I want to rely on you when I'm down in the dumps. Like, I don't know where I'm going, and I love it. Right. So then here's our next question. It, and that'll all happen. So out there, you got access to a lot of different churches, and even though you are in the NALC, mm-hmm. right, the North American Lutheran Church, you spent a lot of time with the Anglicans. Yes. So fill me in on how what that looks like. So the seminary for the North American Lutheran Church, the North American Lutheran Seminary, the NALS, is do you call it nails? As, as in jest, not not in serious. Oh no, I I, ta- I talked to him about it yesterday. I said, you know, I call it nails every time. <laughs> and he said, why? I said, because sometimes it nails me to the cross, and sometimes I nail new things to the door. It's <laughs> it's an either way. It's a good thing. That's that's pretty funny. I yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, because sometimes it makes me really reflect on some of the things I'm doing, preaching, or saying. 
that nails me to the cross and says, yeah, that's a little opinionated. It needs to die. It's mm-hmm. not, When I say it, I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean it in an extremely good way. Or here's something new I can nail the door and stand on. Mm-hmm. You follow what I mean? So yeah. Na- you guys need to start having a little nails cross that you all get when you come there for the summer. I love that. Yeah, so you're in charge of that now. I'm in charge. I'm a, <laughs> I am the nails coordinator. You are the nails coordinator for the nail pin or nail necklace. I'm going to go right <laughs> go right to the next jewelry design place. There you go. Okay, go on, man. I'm sorry. I I'm so, well, welcome to doing a welcome to doing a barbarian profit when birds Bent. So here's what I want to know. Here's mm-hmm. what I really want to know. Oh, you're out Anglicans. there. Yeah, you're with the Anglicans. But the other thing I notice about you, you have a lot of Orthodox stuff that you're into. Yeah. Okay, so let's start with the Anglicans, finish up with the Orthodox thing. Because I'm into the Orthodox thing too. Eastern Orthodox, is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. Or general Orthodox, or you're going to cover some of that for me because you're in a heavy study on it right now. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I, you are. I'm, I've watched you. I've watched you develop, man. I've been mm-hmm. watching you for over a year now. Yeah, so so the Ang- hanging out with the Anglicans is a lot of fun because for those who are not familiar, the ACNA or the Anglican Church in North America mm-hmm. and just like the Church of England history is really fascinating because it came together more um, – King Herod VIII is involved and there's lots of different theological bents and schools of thought in, in – the Church of England and the Anglican Church here in the United States. He was getting a new old lady. Yeah, yeah. He yeah wanted... So there's that. But anyway, go on. And so you have people that are more charismatic and Pentecostal bent. You have people. Oh, really? I didn't know that about them. Yeah, it shocked me because when I first came to the seminary, I thought Anglicans were essentially Roman Catholics, but yeah, they were yeah. English. Yeah, yeah. And no kidding, me too. I mean, you're teaching me something new right now. I'm listening. And so when I show up to the seminary, I find out there are lots of different groups. So the ones – there are Anglicans that are basically Roman Catholics, and they call them Anglo-Catholics. Anglo-Catholics. Okay. Um, and they believe Rome is home. They want to reunite with Rome. Mm. We got some of those in our in our end of things Yes, too. we do. Yes, we do. Yeah. Um, so then you have the more Pentecostal charismatic folks, and I found out about them when I went to North Carolina and the Black Black Mountain um, region for a um, conference that we were supposed to go to. It was a missionary conference called New Wineskins. Mm. And, um, I like that. That's beautiful. It was I, – I personally don't have a whole lot of experience with the more charismatic Pentecostal side of Christianity, and so – a that's lot of it what, that's made why me, you want to hang out with me, isn't it? You're like a yeah. little bit. Well, I trust you. I yeah. tr- I trust you. I'll so take like you to crazy stuff. I I trust to I trust to be around you and get the real good <laughs> that good stuff. The Holy Spirit. <laughs> Thank um, you. And so it kind of made me a little uncomfortable. So I kind of skipped some events. I climbed a mountain, which was cool. Um, but it was it was neat to go to a real good learning experience. Um, so you have in the Anglicans, you have basically Roman Catholics, who have basically Pentecostals. You have a lot of people that are basically Baptists, a lot of really hyper-intense, basically uh, Calvinists, Presbyterians, Reformed. Mm-hmm. And um, this is all in the Anglican it's Church. It's all in the Anglican. And then you have people that are basically Methodists. You have some that are basically Lutherans. Um, and they're all in the same church body. And, the, and even then, like, you would think, okay, like, are they united in their worship style? And maybe on paper, because they have the Book of Common Prayer, or BCP, and right. they've had Books of Common Prayer since the mid-1500s. Right, right. 
Um, but even which, then, which I know a lot of Lutherans that still that use that Anglican book. Yeah, like the new. I enjoy the new one mostly because I've been exposed to it for a year, like every day during chapel for the last my school year. Right. Um, but even then, a lot of the Anglicans don't even use the BCP or use all of it. Okay. Um, like I know of churches nearby in Pittsburgh where the pastor has or the priest has cut parts out of the liturgy on Sunday morning so he can preach longer. Oh, okay. Um, which has made some of my Anglican friends very upset. Well, it, why does church always got to be a specific amount of time instead of it just takes what it takes and we move on? I, I, I kind of agree. I think they view it as like him being kind of arrogant, saying he wants to preach more and show himself off more, and so he takes part out of the liturgy, which they yeah. view as a more stationary, sacred thing that God does. Right. Um, which I'm, I can be, I can feel sympathetic towards that a little bit. I personally don't know this past, this priest at this right. church, so I don't entirely want to cast judgment on that. I also haven't heard him preach. He may be an amazing preacher, and if hearing him preach for 45 minutes is awesome, then so be it. Or if he's really bad, hearing him preach for 45 minutes, like 45 hours of please, for the love of all things holy, let us pray, <laughs> pray that this ends. I, my, my friend uh, who brought this up um, says that's why he loves shorter, like, sub-15 minute sermons, because if it's a good 15 minute sermon, it's awesome. And then you kind of move on with the service, and it sticks to you. But if it's a bad fifteen-minute sermon, you 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 thank God that it's short, right? So then, our next question is: You said something very interesting there. You called the Anglican pastors priests. Priests, yes. Now, is is Lutherans have priests? Not in the United States. I know that for sure. Okay. Um, well, I'm asking because there there's actually a push right now. Did you know that? I didn't know a modern push. I mean, it wouldn't surprise there, me if there were individuals. Current, there's but. a current push. To, there is a current little push. I don't know where it'll go, but I've heard. I've been questioned about it. Oh, fancy! Yeah. Here at this oh at this my. conference, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, that. what? Yeah. Well, at some point, we will return to being called the priest of the Lord. So I said, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. Sure, I guess. Call me Padre Bert. I like it. <laughs> Padre Beto. All right, anyway, go on. So then the rest of the thing with the Anglicans, what else? What do you like about them? I, so like the people that I know, like at the, the professors at the seminary and my friends there, like the students, I mean, we all get along very well, which is nice. Like we tease each other about certain things because there's so many different like theological schools within Anglicanism. Um they find it funny and peculiar and a little strange that Lutherans are, like, in comparison to the Anglicans, our differences are basically non-existent. Um, yeah, we're pretty much same thing. Same thing. Like, we, well, with we would... A-R-N-C, the... A-C-N-A. A-C-N-A, there you go, and the N-A-L-C look very, 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 very similar. Yeah, very similar. I mean, um, I... I I would say if you if it was other than a few articles of clothing, you can't tell them apart for what they do, except for the whole real heavy push on uh, law and gospel. Yeah, that that's that's a thing. Like the because there's so many like theological bents within the ACNA, you have um, it. People find it like peculiar and almost put up like warning guards. Like, oh, Lutherans use law and gospel, and like that's their main that's their sh- main shtick. Like. Why do you like they make they kind of like poke fun at us Lutherans at the school because of that? 
Oh, no, they poke fun at us during Lutheran week. Yes. About we, that, they're like, there's your law and gospel. And I'm always like, I'm I'm confused, but I'm listening, you yeah. know? I mean, because uh, I guess I don't put quite as much heaviness on all that. My When I preach, I mean, I, I make sure that, you know, you understand, that, hey, this you live like this, that's called sin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's called the law, you know, but... I don't think that I ever like capitalize consciously on. go after it. Consciously make it that should be just a natural flow of preaching. I I wrote a sermon uh, this summer, and I felt a little weird on it. It felt a little quote unquote law heavy, like I was really like laying the hammer down unnecessarily. I was like pulpit supplying at this one church, which right. is pulpit supplying is going and a church pays you to preach for one Sunday because their pastor's not there. Um, and I sent it to one of my friends who had just graduated. He's like, oh, that was a good, long gospel sermon. And I was like, that wasn't intentional. I was just kind of preaching what I felt needed to be preached. Well, see, and I, I think that when you're when you're just standard preaching, it's natural. Mm-hmm. When you try to make it intentional, it's weird. Yeah. I, that's when I think that law and gospel is weird. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I because I can tell you this, a huge chunk of the non-denominational pastors I've worked with, uh, they would preach excellent Lutheran uh, preaching, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, sermons. They would give excellent Lutheran sermons without ever intending to because it's a natural flow of things. If you are delivering the Word of God, that's what happens. You deliver, hey, you got a problem. Hey, this is how it gets fixed. Praise God. Moving on. Amen. Right? Amen. <laughs> okay, so that's basically what up. Okay, so then uh, you don't ever see yourself would never ever go the way of the of the Anglican. No, I I very much enjoy like having a consistent a consistency within kind of my church body and church tradition in comparison to like like the Lutherans were very were close knit in the ways we think and we understand each other. And a lot of our grammar and just different words we use, like like when we say that, oh, we mean this, right? And with the Anglicans, that's not necessarily guaranteed. Now, when it comes down to being a Lutheran, why the NALC for you? So for me, it it kind of just happened to me, and then I kind of more. So my grandfather's a Lutheran pastor, and he helped to found the NALC after all of the. Um, the shindig with the ELCA, right? Which um, have you talked about the ELCA before on here? Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Most people, most people are fully aware of that. But you know that the key thing here is that in fi- finding that it isn't about what we separate from. What was his intention in starting? His this? intention was because you know there was a the the main church body that he was a part of the ELCA walked away from God and he was he wasn't really separating from anything he was just attaching himself to God and that's what that, he viewed and that's the way to view it yeah yes. and that's how he in all the because he's one of the original charter members his name's on the original constitution wow that's something to live up to yeah he um I'll go ahead and share this he um in 2008 2009 the current presiding bishop of the ELCA came to our house. Well, not then. She's the current presiding bishop of the ELCA now. In 2008, 2009, 2010, she was the bishop for our part of Ohio. Okay. And she would come with her assistant to our house okay. to try and persuade my grandfather to follow their agenda and bow down, and he refused. 
I would imagine and, so. I mean, you're, I'm going to bet money on this, and you correct me if I'm wrong. Before your granddad was ELCA, and I, you've never told me this, he was probably ALC. I think so. I think that's the con- the more conservative bent. Yeah, I'd yeah. bet. I'd bet money just from his reactions to things. Yes, he was. He, and I'm learning all this stuff as I go, and I'm like, oh, I can identify that now. Oh, I see. He that was now. against the merger in '89. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He def- definitely was ALC then. Yeah, yeah. But um, for being against the merger and whatnot, he, he's not very cantankerous. He's he's a. Uh, He's gotten a lot more charismatic, and since the time I've known him, which is why the reason why I talk about like the Holy Spirit and the way I do is because of him. That's beautiful. Um, love my grandpa. Um, yeah, as you're lucky to have one. Yeah, he's. I didn't grow up with a dad. I grew up with my grandparents, and so, um, like he is the man in my life. And so, because of that, I was NALC from its inception in 2010. And then when I felt the call to be a pastor and to go into seminary, I was like, well, the NALC is my church. I see no reason to leave it. Right. Like, I know, I feel like a lot of young people have to go away from what their their parents were mm-hmm. and are. And it, a lot of, for whatever reason, that, that, that train of thought is just foreign to me. It's strange. Right. And well, so... I was like, yeah, the NELC is my church. It's a tr- it's a church that follows God to the best of its ability as the Holy Spirit leads it. And so I was like, well, if I'm going to be a pastor, I'm going to be a pastor in the church I belong to. And if I'm going to be a pastor in the church I belong to, I should go to its you know, prime hub seminary, right? which is in Ambridge, which is less than three hours from my house. Right. Okay, so then our next situation is so you this is how you became you stepped in there. I mean it's mm-hmm. it's a legacy thing for one. Yeah, it I but didn't it's also want to be. a God calling. A God calling. Two. Yeah. I had people ask me if I was gonna fall into the family business, so to speak, or when I uh, went through confirmation. Yeah, that's they, not you. I can already tell everybody that. What that's, following the family business? Yeah, you're that isn't you. Yeah. I, I get, from the first time I met you, you're your own person. Mm-hmm. I like to be. I very much enjoy being my own person. Absolutely. So I just don't see how that would be. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're not doing it because your granddad did it. Mm-hmm. You're doing it because the Lord has called you to what you're doing. Yeah. And absolutely. I, I truly, and just watching you, I can tell you uh, that I just really think that you will, you will just find yourself endlessly. I tell people all the time. At one point, at one point, probably not in my life, but. You very well could be the presiding bishop over my funeral. You just don't know. That's a I, that's a terrifying thought. It's not to me. I think that you're being prepped in this in numerous different ways for a reason. And uh, it's just like when we look at Nathan Yoder, mm-hmm. and you, we know we can see where the man is heading. It is not time, mm-hmm. but there will come a time, and there it isn't time for you. But there will come a time that you will sit amongst those men. And, and women. And the reason that you will, and I prophesy this over you right now, is that the reason that you will is because God has already ordained you for those things. And and He they will not be easy things. They will be incredibly hard things. But we do hard things because we're hard people. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, no matter what happens to us out there, we have to continue to plug forward. But you are witnessing things in its infancy. Oh, yeah. As you are developing in your maturity, and as it comes to that, you will see the things that go, no, we won't do that again, and yes, this is the way it needs to go. It'll make a big difference. You're how old now? In your 20s? 23. 23. Oh, yeah. You're 23 and a half. 
that's where we get a half is because we're 23 <laughs> and a half, almost 24. And, uh, but here's the other part of the thing, Ethan, is that at some point you're going to be 50. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing's going to look whole different by then. But I got to tell you that I have a lot of, uh, I pray a lot for the next generation. You know, I, people ask me all the time, "Is the Lord will the Lord come in our lifetime?" I say, "I don't know if He's coming in our lifetime, but I need to prepare everybody for when I die. If He hasn't come, somebody else will continue to preach the word." Mm-hmm. That's my goal. That's my whole focus in life is to show people the truth of God's love and uh, to pass that on to the next generation. And I'm very, I'm proud of you and I'm proud of what you're doing just so you're aware. Thank you. And uh, so now the next part of this thing, let's talk about Orthodox church there, Roman Orthodox, Greek Orthodox. Did you just watch John Wick? Uh, In the calendar year, maybe I've, I'm like, I need to watch three and four. Okay. Well, I'm just double checking. Because he's got a Russian Orthodox cross he always has mm-hmm. on him and stuff. Because he's a Vizorke. Vizorke? Yeah. No, don't look any of that stuff up. Okay. My listeners can. You guys all be like, I knew he'd bring that up one day. <laughs> anyway, go on. Go on. That's a Russian mob. So oh, okay. Okay. So go on with uh, the rest of the story. So talk to me about the Orthodox. Because I see Orthodox stuff around that church on more than one occasion when I am with specific pastors. Which which physical church? Uh, when we're out there in Ambridge. Oh, yeah. So I, I guess, um, I don't know, I guess there are like professors and people at Trinity that appreciate the Orthodox, and so they like have icons and stuff, and I... Explain what an icon is. An icon is a... Um, it's a painting done in a very particular style to not be realistic, but to draw human features and draw paint a human um, of either the apostles, various saints, Jesus, angels, um, Mary, Joseph, and the Orthodox use it as like a focus for like they look at it and they use it as to help them focus it when they pray. But the key thing is, is that it's not an idol. It is not an idol, and it, it they do do they paint them? They do paint them. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to teach you something. Are you ready? Yeah. They never paint them. They never paint them. They write them. They write them. If you start to investigate this, what you'll find is that in order for them to be able to lay that down, it is paintbrush strokes. That mm-hmm. is for sure. But they have to tell the story of the saint or it is a painting. In order Mm. for it to be an icon, it has to be written. That I did not know. That's really cool. It's beautiful. Is it on like the canvas? No, no, it isn't isn't a physical writing. It's the, I am telling this story and I'm giving you a picture visual of it. Oh, okay. So if you give somebody the gift of an icon, Mm -hmm. you must tell them the story of the saint or you're giving them... An idol. Oh, I like that. All right. Yeah, Eastern Orthodox, man. I, I, you were lucky Bert isn't wearing a Coptic uh, <laughs> headpiece. And uh, <laughs> I, I, th- I don't think my wife would have put up with all that. I'm like, no, I'm becoming a, I'm going to become a Coptic priest. I got to learn Greek. I mean, and you could stay at my apartment. There's one half a block from my apartment. I know there is, man. I'd like to go check that thing out one of these. Have you ever been in it? Not yet. I'm a little terrified too. <laughs> I, you know lie. what? I will. Um, 
Uh, I will send you some stuff so you can learn more about how they do their service. There's a guy, and I'll put a plug in for him right now. It's called the 10-Minute uh, Bible Hour, and you'll mm-hmm. find it on YouTube. And he goes through all of those churches, especially the Orthodox Catholic Church. He goes through everything. And uh, 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 Will is just one of those off-the-chain intelligent men. He lives in South Dakota, not too far from me. And I'm hoping one day to sit down with him on this show. But, heck, he's so busy with his own, I don't know he had time for me. But uh, incredible guy, incredible guy. But that's where I learned these things about uh, about the icons well, being, being written. They're not painted, they're written. Because you're just I, I do producing know a picture of a story. You have to, to, you can't just be any old person that just goes and does an icon. There's got to be like a calling. It's like its own vocation. Yeah. And you, it's a very specific and intense process to go about in creating an icon. Right. And they're all done. And they're all done. They're all done. They're not, you know, they're, they're even when you get a small one on wood, it's painted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so I noticed a lot of that stuff in there. You wear an Orthodox cross. This is... I, not, I don't, not this one specific. You have another one, don't you? One with the bottom cross on it? I don't think so. Is that a Roman Catholic one? Yeah. I had a friend who's a who belongs to the Society of St. Pius X. Oh, get this. Fill get me this. in on St. Pius X. Uh, he was a pope in late 1800s, early 1900s. And he was big on the Latin Mass and protecting the church against "quote unquote" modernity. And um, well, I know that I know I was very against the Pope doing away with the Latin Mass, ooh. and I'm not Catholic. I know, I know these these people. They definitely like base. Essentially, I could be wrong. Someone might out there correct me, but um, ignore Catholic Church teaching after Vatican II. They only do the mass in Latin, um, very hyper-traditional in their service style, their moral beliefs, their political beliefs. Um, And so I had a friend who who converted, and I I had a – that was given to me at confirmation, and I didn't start wearing it until – I was in college, and it was like a Celtic cross, so it had a hole in the center. Right. And I used to wear it under my shirt, and so because of that, it like rubbed against my chest, and it bent, and it snapped in half. So there was like a year, year and a half, I wasn't wearing a cross, and so I had asked him when he got this, got a cross like this, to buy me one from their gift shop at this okay. church. Okay. And so he did, and he he actually the it's on a fishing line that he's braided. Nice. And he braided it for me. Nice. So. Uh, so let's go on with the Orthodox thing. You've studied out Orthodoxy a little bit. What's the big difference between an Eastern Orthodox Church and us in the West? Um, different. So the Eastern Orthodox use, um, depending on what country the Eastern Orthodox Church is in, there's um, Greek is used frequently, probably in at least almost all of them to some degree or another. Um I just recently learned, so like here in the West, we love to sing hymns. A whole congregation is singing. Right. The East, with the exception of Russia, um, it's only the choir or a singular person uh, chanting called the cantor that is singing the whole service or the priest who's doing various parts or the deacon. The congregation doesn't doesn't sing at all. That's interesting. Um, because um, a friend of mine, we went uh, after we got back from a mission trip. 
went to before he flew out the next day went to our um a guy a byzantine catholic priest that we know went to his church and we were following along in the liturgy book and trying to sing along and it's just dead quiet in there so we just stop like we don't we just like no one else is doing it so we just kind of stop trying to sing along um to the with the cantor okay um and i had asked a friend of mine who's in anglican who's uh, he le- reads the Church Fathers almost exclusively. He's basically like an ortho bro. Um, loves the Orthodox. Um, <laughs> ortho bro. Okay. And, I'm going, go on, go on, go on. And so he's like, oh, yeah, this is a thing. The Russian Orthodox, their congregations will sing. And the reason why some Orthodox don't sing is because they view the entire church service as like a meditative and contemplate, um, like meditation and contemplation. Interesting. Act. Um, which is cool, which is really neat because I know personally sometimes during like um, hymns or praise songs, like I'll just get a little teary eyed and I feel the Holy Spirit and I'm just not singing or I'm just mouthing the words because I can't bring the strength to actually sing. And so I, I understand that and I totally jive with that. I like that. Cool. Um, I know a lot of the Orthodox almost like all across the board uh, do incense. Um, they have lots of prayers. They got all the smells and, and bells. bells. Oh yeah, I love smells and bells. Uh, a lot of their churches don't have pews or anywhere to sit, unless you bring something like a pillow or something to kneel on the floor. How do they do the Lutheran chaser size? The chaser size. Yeah, hey man, I do. We do uh, Lutheran. Uh, that's why Lutherans live to be so old, bro. Is because of. The exercise we do on getting, Sundays. Standing up, up sitting down, down. Standing uh, up, sitting, sitting down. down. Yeah. Do you know why we do that? I probably at some point I did. Really? I You're maybe. pretty young. You, you should have learned it at some point, I'm guessing. I, no, I'm going to tell you. It, uh, <laughs> here's the thing I learned. I learned this from an Anglican lady. She goes, do you know why we stand and sit? I said, no. She goes, I want you to think about this. On one end of the world on Sunday... As the sun starts to rise, all of the Anglicans, Lutherans, Catholics, etc., we're all reading essentially the same things. Mm -hmm. And we rise and sit at the same time. And it starts on one end of the planet, goes all the way to the other. She says, have you ever been to a football game? It's just a giant wave. It's the giant wave. The wave for Jesus. And then what we're doing is we're not missing our moment to celebrate the king. And uh, doing that rising and seating is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not just a thing. It's not just to keep you awake in the pews. It's literally because we are honoring Christ in those moments. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. So I'm getting down to some. I'm I'm running out of time, and I got one more place I want to go with you. Are you ready? I'm ready always. Okay. So give me some Holy Spirit stuff with you. You talked about him a few times, crying, mm-hmm. choking up, you got having speaking to you, guiding you. So tell me a moment when you really had a huge Holy Spirit involved moment that you recognized. This summer. I okay. was in last week of June, the uh, I think it was twenty fourth through the thirtieth, I was in Puerto Rico on a mission trip. And I believe it was the Wednesday of that week, the Church we were working with does a homeless ministry um, called Pon E Chocolate, Bread and Chocolate, and they hand out sandwiches and hot chocolate and give a little devotional for a bunch of homeless men in this neighborhood in San Juan. And so 
months before, the pastor that we went with asked uh, myself and my friend, who's also another seminarian, to go uh, and give the devotional. And I had been agonizing slash forgetting about it until like the night before we left, and I was like, I don't know what to write for this sermon. And then it just hit me, and I was like, okay, cool. We're going to preach and speak on John 4, 1 through 15, the woman at the well, living. Jesus is the living water. And then we're going to give um, our faith stories and connect it to that. Because I had heard my grandfather say early on, he was like, you know, the best way to tell somebody about Jesus and to evangelize is to tell your own faith story, why Jesus is important to you. And then I heard our bishop. Our testimony is, is that is his story. Absolutely. And the bishop said the same thing back in when I heard him preach in May. And so I was like, okay, my grandfather said it. My bishop said it. It must be true. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it out. I'm going to do it. So um, uh, my buddy and I, we get ready to preach. Um, we don't speak Spanish, um, either one of us. And so we are speaking through our translator. And beforehand, I was like, kind of terrified and petrified like i am comfortable speaking in front of crowds and in front of people and i'm comfortable preaching because i've done it quite a few times but i don't allow myself i don't want to get too comfortable because like the handling the word of god is like handling a grenade with the pin pulled um but i was like especially nervous because i'm preaching through a translator and i never i've never i've always preached to church people i've never preached to the unchurched before on a more than just like a individual basis. You need a vicar with me. I'll have you do it all the time. You'll be so used to it. You'll be like, why do I even preach to people that already know? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, that that's a tough thing mm -hmm. because you're having to present for real. You're yeah. not presenting to believers. You're presenting to doubters. Yeah. So I get it. Keep rolling. And so, um, beforehand, um, uh, I wanted to sob. I was like, I could just feel the Holy Spirit come, and I wanted to sob and cry right there at this in front of this bus stop in this park where we're doing where we're doing this little ministry thing. But I felt so calm. I've never felt so calm and wanted to cry uncontrollably at the same time like that. And I was like, it's gonna be okay. I'm just gonna we're just gonna get up there and we're gonna do it. And my buddy and I, and we we did it and. I don't I don't know the fruits of what happened there and that's okay with me. Like I'm totally fine with that, but the Lord used us there in a, just a great and awesome way. Well, let's hear the rest of the story. So the people, you're starting to talk to these people, you're speaking through an interpreter. Mm -hmm. So and you're with a group that what is the group called? It was the So I went with um Holy Trinity Lutheran Church out of Troutman, North Carolina. Okay. And um I was myself and my buddy who's a seminarian. We were invited along, um, and it, our trip was paid for. Um, money was raised for us to go, and the the church went with a group called Praying Pelican Missions. I've been. I just got back from a Praying Pelican Mission. Awesome, love yeah. that. You guys went down south. We went up way north. up north. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that's cool. So okay. So the next part. So you you take off and you're preaching these things, etc. How many people came to Christ? I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. That's why you need to come to Wyoming. I am going to teach you how to know because there comes a point where we, that's one thing we do not do very well as Lutherans, mm -hmm. make the altar call. 
And and the reason I say that is because it's not about saying some magical or mystical prayer, mm-hmm. but it's a moment in a person's life where they need they they are wrestling with is God accepting me, and it becomes a moment of absolution, okay of of our opportunity to show them that Christ absolves them of their sins. And uh, it isn't, you know, I don't believe in the magic prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, I I said the magic prayer, I'm good to go. Uh, no, we've we got to see it with a reflective of life, you know. And, and, and salvation isn't all about an instant. It's a lifetime of things. Absolutely. You know? And uh, a lot of people don't realize that. But, you know, that this this all very interesting. Now, what about, um, uh, have you ever watched somebody surrender their lives? Have I? I, I don't know. Okay, that's okay. That's a good question. That's okay. Because, it, see, that's one of the things that within our faith, and this is where we're, we're living in a day and age, where we have a tremendous amount of people that say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but they don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. And um, so they continue to live a life that is actually keeps them separated from Christ. And this is the one thing where uh, with what we learn in the Lutheran churches, well, they always look at the charismatics and they know what day they were saved and stuff like that. And, and of course, then you get the, the guys that go, well, we were saved 2,000 years ago when Jesus was crucified on the cross, which is all fine and dandy. But there becomes a super personal moment for a person mm-hmm. when all of a sudden you have a recognition of your Savior. And it happens with a lot of kids during their time of confirmation. It happens with a lot of people. They go through confirmation. It may not happen until they're 35 years old. Yeah. But uh, when they start to hear that, true knock of jesus on the on their heart mm-hmm. i mean man there's nothing more incredible than to watch a person uh become a whole new creation in jesus in a oh, blink yeah. you know and uh that that's a beautiful deal have you ever have you been to an adult baptism yet yes i've been to i, I can't tell you how many i've been to mostly Bunch, because bunches. Um, so when I was in college, I never went to a Lutheran church because the closest NALC church was like an hour away and I didn't want to drive that far. Right. So my buddy that actually converted to the Latin mass only, uh, group was playing before he converted. He went and played in the praise band at this Nazarene church. Oh, nice. And so I was with them for three years um, cool. in college. And so the several times they did baptisms, they did like four or five every time they did it and the vast majority of well they don't they don't baptize infants and so like no, half no, of they're, them they're part of they're a yeah, whole, they yeah. don't and so you know quite a few teenagers but a lot of adults right a lot of adults right and that's just a part of their faith man mm-hmm. it, you know it ain't right or wrong it's just part of their i'm faith. glad people are getting baptized that is exactly right i am glad the kingdom is filling up yes you know that's really what it's about mm-hmm and uh, too many people get hung up on too many things. That's just all there is to it. If if we can, if the church is at a point where it can argue on the, the, the chronological time point of when baptism happens, then I think we're sitting pretty. Oh, yeah. And yeah, if that's the, the worst thing we have to worry about, then then yeah. Jesus is going to be soon, back soon, soon, any moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I think we've got other issues to yeah, be just, battling over, Just a man. little. Just a little bit. Okay, so you got anything? What's a piece of advice you would give a young person right now that they say, hey, I feel that I am called to be a pastor? Uh-huh. What would you say to them? So I would say first recognize that in Jesus Christ you are bought at a very, very high cost. He bought you with his precious and holy blood and has redeemed you and made you his. And so you, I would say recognize that you are valuable because Jesus died for you. He values you greatly. And so the things that other people say that you've done or you haven't done and that those things define you, those people are lying. They're speaking the lies of Satan. And Jesus calls you valuable, and so that if someone's think, if you think you have a call to be a pastor, it doesn't matter how unholy you think you are. Right. Jesus can take take you and takes will take can take you will take you and is taking you and forming you into the person he wants you to be, to preach to whom he wants you to preach, to what he wants you to preach, when he wants you to preach it, and how he wants it preached, he will give it to you because he's the one that forms your mouth. That's. Dude, that's solid right there. See, you're meant you're meant to be preaching to the preachers is what you're meant to be doing. See, that's what a bishop does. <laughs> that's awesome, bro. Okay, so uh anything else special that we need to know? Um any shout outs. Any shout outs. Uh you know your two per, two of your professors listen to this show now. Do they really? We love the good old Doc Louie, Doc Pierce. Love yeah, those guys. Yeah. They have listened to my show. They actually uh talked to me yesterday about it. Awesome. And they were they said, Yeah, I listened and they were telling me which shows they listened to, so I actually know they did listen to, to them. I look forward to them coming and talking to me about this one. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, and take some time. Tell him, hey, man, he's putting me on, and I'll put you on here in the next week or so. I'll probably upload about two or three shows there right at time. I, I got to see how the sound came out with Miss Megan but because uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we were all outside and it was crazy. But, uh, you know, dude, I am very blessed in my life to know you. Okay. I the the faith that goes both ways. That's a two way street of blessing right there. And uh, I just I really enjoy every time I get a chance to talk to you, and uh, every time I get a when we come out there, I look forward to seeing you when I get out there. And oh, yeah. and this this is good. So I just want to tell you, thanks for being on the Barbarian Prophet, and I'm positive we'll do it again when I'm out in Ambridge this here coming summer. Amen. Okay. Amen. And we'll be doing some kind of crazy stuff out there because we're actually been talking with uh, Philip Ganyan. Mm. And, oh, yeah, him and I had a conversation today about the retreat next year, possibly being training on exorcism. Oh, boy. And understanding uh, spiritual warfare. Uh, This man... Just so we all know that at some point I'll get a chance to visit with him, hopefully in the next year, and that what we'll do is put him on the air. But uh, he was trained by the Vatican. Oh. Did you know that about him? That I didn't know. Yeah, he was trained by the Vatican itself, yeah. He was the only Lutheran that was trained in there. He is the only Lutheran recognized in all the alphabet super Lutherans as a certified sanctioned exorcist wow yeah so you know who he tapped on the shoulder for hey you and i need to start working together 
Oh boy. Yeah. So you tapped me on the shoulder and said, I think, I think we're a thing. So we're going to work it out. So anyway, Hey, God bless you, brother. God bless you. I appreciate you. So I just want to say to everybody, just thanks for tuning in. And I'm sorry that I've been gone for so long, but we are back and we'll get back to once a week. We will have something on the air. You were going to have little sessions like that. Now that I'm uh, full time preaching and traveling around and doing a few things. If you haven't checked out my book, why don't you go ahead and uh, you can pick one up on uh, Amazon. And not only that, you can go to YouTube and look that if you need me to speak in your church. Uh, talking to youth groups or anything to that effect. I definitely will do my best to make myself available, even if we need to do it via Zoom or anything else, because I'm not worried about making money. I definitely want people to see that Christ can reach any person, no matter how far they feel they are from Jesus. So I just want you all to remember this. Jesus loves you, and I love you. And there's absolutely nothing you can do to stop us. For questions or comments, please email us at info at thebarbarianprophet.com. The Barbarian Prophet is a registered trademark of Barbarian Media Group. Listening to this podcast may cause excitability, euphoria, and overall sense of happiness in the realization that you're not alone. Discontinue use if reddened skin or a rash develops. Side effects may include random hugging, crying out loud, smiling while alone, and happy crying combined with snot bubble development. Do not use during church service. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Are you actually still listening? Seriously, we have nothing more to say except for that one thing that was really, really, really important, but let's wait until the next show for that. Well, that one more thing we want to remind you, get yourself into a good church, get yourself to reading that Bible, and just do not turn your back on Christ because he is constantly seeking you. God bless you. See you next time on The Barbarian Prophet.